Jen and Drina here with Finding Your Five. This podcast is based off the concept that you are the average of the five people you hang out most. So you want to elevate your life? Surround yourself with good people. And the individuals we are interviewing, anyone would be lucky to have in their group of five. Hey, Fivers. I like it. It's nice. <laughs> I'm trying something new. Hey, friends, Fivers. <laughs> you guys are in my five if you're listening to this. Hi, Fivers. <laughs> how's your week? Drina, how's your week going? It's a heavy week, but I'm okay. Is it because school started this week? Yes. Some kids just are struggling with the mask thing and they say they have stomach aches, quote unquote. Quote, she's doing air quotes, guys. That's hard. And I'm now having to get out of bed and like, I have to wake up at seven. I know the rest of the world already did that. Six, five in the morning, I shouldn't say, but it was hard for me. <laughs> I do my workout at five. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have to wake up again after working out for two hours before that. You know what I mean. But anyway. <laughs> Protein so, shake. Protein shake, all the things. <laughs> so today I want to talk about this guest we had. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was very nervous because I'm in awe of who she is and what she's created, just like with all our guests, Drina. But I think I was especially nervous on this one. Um, who did we interview? We interviewed an amazing woman named Rachel. She's from a podcast called 3 and 30. I was really nervous too. Is it because this was our first one through Zencaster? Where just yes, she wasn't actually things? in the studio, you guys. We had to deal with the technology. Give a shout out to husband. Thanks for that. And we, you know, we're seeing her through the computer. We're hearing on the headphones. It's it's stressful. It was a little stressful, but she calmed us down right away. Yes, with her wonderful personality. We just learned a lot, guys. You just got to listen to the amazing wisdom that she has. Her podcast is, it's called three and 30 because she has three takeaways and her podcasts are usually about 30 minutes long. And she focuses on, I guess, parenthood, but a lot of moms listen in. She has guests on that can help moms, you know, be happy through motherhood, how to not have burnout. But she also goes deeper and a little more heavy with how to teach your kids about pornography, uh, how to forgive friend that has What's the word? Hurt you? Hurt you. <laughs> I don't know if that's the word you were looking for. You've but lost your trust in. Let, um, go, let go of things. I saw mm-hmm. that was episode. The episode that we talked to her about specifically was um, she had this episode about three steps to finding a happy balance with social media. And although she does make some references to how that affects you as a parent, it's just an overall great episode for anyone. Our take with it. As we know, our podcast is Finding Your Five. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of talk about that through the social media aspect. Um, she talks about, um, you know, being present and, ha- and being deliberate about your time with social media. At some point, you have to stop collecting gurus. And so, you know, you have to be deliberate about the people you're following as well. Because there's a lot of noise that can come in our life with social media. Yeah. She has some great strategies about how to, you know, have a healthy relationship with social media. I hope you enjoy this episode with Rachel from 3 and 30. Rachel, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us on our podcast. We're grateful that you came. Well, thank you so much. It's an it's an honor to be here. One of the things we're excited to talk about is your episode on social media. It's called Three Steps to Finding Happy Balance with Social Media. 
it's number 139, so go be smart and listen to it. Um, you talk about being intentional with our social media feed and the time we spend on social media. So do you have some advice or tips on how we can do this? Yeah. So one of the things I talked about is the idea to stop collecting gurus, which isn't my, um, my, I can't claim that phrase. It's Emily P. Freeman. It was on her podcast where I heard it. And I actually laughed out loud when I when I read the title, because I'm like, Oh, that is so me. I need to stop collecting gurus because I love to learn. And I love to learn from all these inspiring people and these experts. But that means that I don't implement like I'm so busy learning that I never actually do it. And she talks about how you need to trust your own intuition. And of course, it's okay to have gurus, but like just have a few. And that way you can actually do it, you know, and and I totally related to that. And so On social media, um, I try to just get really deliberate about how many people I follow. Like there's just so many wonderful like parenting accounts, for example. And but if I'm following all of them, I'm not going to be implementing any of it. And I'm going to be distracted from my kids because I'm going to be staring at my phone, browsing Instagram instead of doing the good parenting that I am reading about. And so I've just had to limit it. And as far as how I decide how to limit it. I think sometimes I feel like you want it to be somebody that makes you feel good about yourself. If you're when you're deciding who to follow on social media, like if you were just going to limit and you're like, I'm only going to follow three parenting people or one parenting person or three business, um, you know, because that's another one. I follow a lot of like entrepreneurs that teach you about how to do business. If I'm just going to follow a couple of them. Who are the people that when I read their content or watch their stories, I feel good about myself. I feel empowered and inspired instead of feeling that little twinge of like guilt or like less than or comparison that you feel. Um, I feel like I choose the people who feel like they could be my friend, even if they're like way out of my league and they never will know I exist. (laughs) Like I'm like, but if we were friends in real life, like if I met them in real life, I'm pretty sure we would, we would get along. Those are the, the gurus that you kind of want to surround yourself with. Yeah. I remember that part in that episode and it really spoke to me, Rachel, because I think um, there's a point where you kind of become that perpetual student because you have so many experts, you know, right there in front of you and you don't do anything. You can just be constantly just learning, but not putting into action. So when you mentioned that your mentor had said, stop collecting gurus, I was like, yes, I think that's what I've become. And it becomes no longer productive. So Mm -hmm. I, I really love that. You mentioned on the episode that there's an algorithm that updates your feed based on the things that you like and comment on. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how it works? Yeah. So the algorithm will show you what it thinks you want to see. Right. So if the algorithm can see that you are consistently commenting or watching somebody's stuff or liking it, they it will show you more of that person's stuff. So it'll pop up at the top of your feed. You don't see everything when you open mm-hmm. your apps. Some stuff you don't see even from people you follow. So if you want to see a lot from somebody, yes. interact with their stuff a lot. If you don't want to see because you recognize that some somebody does make you feel less than obviously you can unfollow, but if it's somebody that's like a family member or something that you feel kind of guilty about unfollowing, there's an option to mute them. So you just don't see their updates. But also if you just aren't interacting a lot, like their stuff will eventually kind of stop showing up in your feed, which is amazing. So that's a way you can kind of curate what you see when you open your apps. 
that makes so much sense to me. Like I'm going to look at my Facebook in a whole new way, Rachel, because I'm kind of the quiet observer. Like I don't like, I don't anything in my head. I like it. I'm like, that was great, but I just don't push that button. And then I'm like, yeah, how come I haven't seen this person in my feed? And so that kind of makes sense to me, that whole algorithm that we kind of need to be proactive and Yeah. And I do feel like um, the more that you actually interact with people on social media, the better you are going to feel. Uh Like, And studies show that if you just get on and you just scroll and you never say anything, you never like, you never comment, you're going to feel way more drained when you get off of social media than if you are saying, great job. Congratulations on your new baby. I love this idea. Like just anything that's actually social that's supportive of other people, you're going to get off feeling way better than if you're just consuming. That's interesting that there's stats to back that up. Because I do think that the social media thing kind of, for me, came out of nowhere. And I think there's a lot of good things to it. I mean, people network through it. You can get in touch with people that you haven't, you know, talked to in forever. But the byproduct is, you know, people are getting depressed people are wasting time. And so my initials, maybe I just need to get off social media. And then hearing that episode, no, there's balance in all things and we just need to be deliberate with our time. And so I loved that. Yes. And I will say there is no substitute for in-person or like real gurus, like real people that can support you in your journey and that you should, whatever it is that you want to improve on, you should seek not just to follow people online, but to also cultivate a relationship with somebody who can model that for you. Even if it's a, even if you're paying them, even if it's a coach, like you can learn all that you can from the great business content on Instagram, that there is no substitute for paying for a coach who can actually talk to you and share their ideas and help you apply what you're learning. And so really, if you want to grow, I would say like invest time and money in getting, you know, your five people, like getting those people in your life. And I know even um, in podcasting, I have a really good friend, Monica Packer, who has the podcast about progress. And just having that colleague, that person who's in it with me, who gets it, is so powerful because I can text her or call her when I have a question and it's just real. It's different than a DM, you know? So yeah, I'd say social media is great. I love it. It's it's really helps me to connect with my podcast community but there's no substitute for the in-person. And if you start to feel an imbalance there, like you need to pull back on the social media. Absolutely. Absolutely. Personal experience. (laughs) So um, I have a six-year-old and he's, um, he likes to test me. (laughs) Mm, No. You have one of those too. (laughs) He's seven now actually. Still likes to test me. Um, And I remember reading book upon book upon book, The Child Whisperer. I read Love and Logic. You read all of these different ideas on how to help your child and help you help your child. Mm -hmm. And I got stuck in this thing, kind of like social media, where you have these people that you follow, but you don't really engage. Um, So I would try all these methods, but there would be so many that I'd freeze. Like I would just not want to try any of them for fear of doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. finally I went to a therapist a child therapist with him and it wasn't until we had that one-on-one you know face-to-face yes. contact where we could talk things through that it really started clicking for me what I can do for him he still likes to test me <laughs> but I'm better at handling it so yes I totally agree that's, with that concept yeah 
That's so great. I know with my son, when he was a newborn, he was my first. And I was so attached to those parenting, those sleep books. I just wanted him to sleep. And I read all the books and he was colicky. And I get so mad at him and at myself. And why isn't he following the the strategy, you know, that was outlined in these books? Looking back, first of all, I probably needed to loosen up again a little bit. But second of all, I should have probably just hired like a sleep coach to actually like give me a few consults where he looked at Noah's sleep patterns and helped me figure it out, you know, but hindsight is twenty twenty. Maybe I'll do that if I have another baby. <laughs> <laughs> Always wiser after so, each kid or yes, something. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Rachel, I have another question for you. You, um, you talked about, you know, refining your feed on social media and you gave a lot of great tips. How do we kind of unclutter our feed in life? You know, we've talked about how important it is, you know, the in-person relationships. How do we kind of, you know, unclutter that feed, whether it's in parenting or just our relationships, you know, trying to get the most important things we need to do to have the most fulfilling life. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I think so. I think, so I teach a workshop called Declutter Your Motherhood. And it's like, I give the parallel of decluttering your expectations that you have for yourself and kind of the the chaos of your life mm-hmm. like you would declutter a closet. Right. So, and I actually had a friend who's a professional organizer come and help me totally organize my entire house. And when we did my closet, she had me take everything out of the closet And then we like deliberately decided what deserved to go back in. And I think that when I had decluttered my closet in the past, like, you know, with the change of the seasons or something, and I would just kind of thumb through it. Like I would just like go through the hangers and thumb through it and say like, yeah, I think I still like that. Yeah. And just leave everything in there. Maybe pull out a couple things, but but it was an entirely different experience to take it all out and to lay it across my bed and look at it all and say, what is in here and why is it in here? Mm -hmm. And do I even like it anymore? Does it even fit me anymore? And like make more deliberate decisions about what went back in. And so I think with our motherhood and with our lives, if, if we're starting to feel really weighed down by like our responsibilities, our commitments, and we just feel so busy that we can't even breathe. Or if we're feeling really weighed down by our shoulds and like all the expectations we have of ourselves, I think it's important to do kind of like a brain dump where you're really emptying out the closet. Like what are, what is everything on my calendar right now? And you write it all down and then you look at it and say, do I even want this in my life? Like, why am I doing this? Why are my kids signed up for this? You know, so you're deciding what deserves to go back in and you can do the same thing with your shoulds for yourself where you like write out all the things that you think you should be doing and then look at them and say, do I even want to do those things? Like, why am I holding myself to that expectation? And so that can really help you to declutter kind of the feed of your life and the input and of just all the things that are stressing you out. Even if you're not doing the things, sometimes just the idea that you should be doing the things Mm -hmm. is, is really a lot of mind chatter that you can get rid of if you just get deliberate about, I don't even want to be doing that thing. I'm crossing that out. You know? I have another question. I'm um, kind of going back to social media and being intentional with our time. I think that is not only a challenge for adults, but it's a big challenge for kids. And what are your thoughts with teaching appropriate use as your kids get older with having mm-hmm. that relationship with social media that's healthy? You know, my oldest is nine, so I haven't like really come into this land yet of <laughs> parenting with the technology and I'm kind of dreading it. Yeah. 
But something that I have thought often about and I have talked to my husband about in recent months is that I need to be modeling now what I hope he how I hope he will be engaged with social media later. Yes. And it's easy when they're young to just be like, well, they don't they don't know they don't have a phone. They don't have Instagram, you know, whatever. But like I sleep with my phone right next to my bed and I look at it way too much at night and in the morning. And I wouldn't let my kids do that. Their phones wouldn't be in their bedrooms. They wouldn't be looking at them first thing in the morning and getting on Instagram. Well, if that's true, then I probably shouldn't be doing that either, especially when they come into my room first thing in the morning and they see me on it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like modeling that like getting clear on what are our family values around technology and how we use social media and all those things and starting now to model it so that when they do get phones and they get those things, they're not like, well, this is what you've always done. So why can't I do it? True. Kids are you know? so good at pointing out that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I do realize that like I'm an adult and I have a different level of self-control than a kid, you know, but but still, I need to hold myself to at least some version of the same standards that I would hold them to. So I need to work on that. I need to work on all of it. Like that episode about balancing social media was just as much for me as for all the moms listening, because it is a real struggle to figure it out. It is a real struggle. But I, I think that that mindset of just with social media and in life, just being intentional with the choices we make, you know, I've thought about that a lot. Just even if I'm going to have a quote, lazy day, if I need that, maybe that's okay, but don't let it just become a lazy day because I'm being passive and I'm not making a choice. Just kind of like how you said, don't let, you know, you just are checking social media, you know, because you have a second. Check it because you've set aside a place in your day to do it. And that's when you do it. It's not like a nervous tick. And that, you know, maybe yes. rethink everything. Yes. Oh, and I'm, I, some there, I go through periods of time where I'm really good about that. And then others where I fall back into old habits. And I can tell you, it makes a huge difference for me when I am intentionally choosing to get on for a specific reason or amount of time or even for no reason, but, but knowing like I'm getting on right now because I want to relax and scroll Mm -hmm. versus this constant quick check, quick check. You know, it's just too much input and too much task switching. And I'm distracted from my kids. I'm distracted from my work. I'm distracted from my life, you know, and I just got to stop that. Yeah. Being present. Um, Yes. (laughs) So when you were talking about the authenticity of, you know, with people in person and things like that, I also kind of think of the value of, you know, it's great to read things on our phone, but it's also really nice to have a book in our hands at times. And I'm just wondering, especially with your background as a teacher, do you have some favorite gurus through literature that you think have really helped you with parenting or just as a business person? That is such a good question. So I like, I feel like a lot of what I read now, well, and I don't even read it. I listen to it. Mm -hmm. Like I listen to tons of audiobooks and most of it is um, like business type Mm -hmm. or the books of the people that I'm going to interview that are Mm -hmm. my upcoming interviews. I'm like always listening to their stuff. But I would say that the book, the literature that's been the most transformative for me as a parent is To Kill a Mockingbird. I taught that all the years that I taught high school, including the years that I was going through infertility and then we were waiting to adopt my son. And so I think that I really connect that book to those years of like preparing to be a parent. And there is no better father 
than Atticus Finch. Like he's just amazing. And um, I actually, my, my son's middle name is Atticus. I was wondering, oh. I was like, did you get it from that story? You know, being a yes. English teacher and yeah. Yes. Yeah. And like it, I chose that. So it would connect me to that time in my life that we were waiting for him. And also because Atticus is just never endingly like good and patient and steady for his kids He's one of those parents that like he teaches them the tough lessons, but just like never raises his voice, you know? And so I think I learned a lot about being a good parent and being a good human from reading that book over and over and over. He also, Atticus also really reminds me of my own father, who is a lawyer, who um, my mom passed away. So my dad is like kind of doing this by himself. Uh, We were older than the characters and to kill mockingbird when she passed away. But, and my dad is just so steady and good and I want to be like him. And so that character reminds me of my own father. So that's always been near and dear to my heart. Okay. It's on, on my Put list. that on my takeaway. <laughs> takeaway. We're getting takeaways from you from this. So thank you. So go talking about takeaways. I love your format, the three and 30, three solid takeaways in 30 minutes. What has been a takeaway for you that's kind of kept you going, you know, and, putting one foot in front of the other and being the person that you are that's made an impact. I think life has just kind of taught me that people are doing the best that they can. And so I, I do feel like I'm innately pretty able to just give people the benefit of the doubt and forgive as well as myself forgive myself and give myself the benefit of the doubt, which I wasn't always able to do. I feel like it, it came much more naturally for me to see the good and give people the benefit of the doubt in, you know, other people and really struggled mm-hmm. with my own negative self-talk. And, and I talked about that episode where I really break that down and that like really awful voice that was in my head that was saying all these hateful things. Um, but I've done a lot of therapy and I feel like the overarching thing that I have learned from therapy that has truly changed who I am is mm-hmm. to just be kind to myself, to be kind to other people and to be kind to myself. So we're wondering kind of where you got the inspiration to start your podcast in the first place. Like what what kind of drove you to go in that direction? Yeah. So as with most things, I think it's like, it's an evolution of kind of figuring it out. It's not like one day I just woke up and was like, I should start a podcast. But when I look back, I can see that it was many years in the making. I just didn't know it yet. You know, so I was a high school English teacher before my kids were born and I loved to teach and I learned how to take really big, complicated ideas and boil them down into really actionable digestible takeaways for my students. And I also taught them how to do that because a lot of thesis statements have three points in them. You know, that's how they're taught a lot of the time. And so I would teach them how to take a book or a big concept and and break it down and make it easier and and do the three points. So um, after my kids were born and I was I decided to stay home with them, I really missed teaching and really felt like there was a piece of me that wasn't being utilized, like a gift that I had that wasn't being utilized. And it really was hard on me. Like I, I just felt like there's something more, you know, and um, I started volunteering for 
an organization called Power of Moms and doing some writing and editing for them. And I recorded um, as a guest on their podcast and I just really enjoyed it. And at the end, I said to April Perry, who's the host of that, you know, if you ever need like another guest host, I would love to host it with you as a volunteer. And she said, well, you're really good at this. You should start your own podcast. And at the time I was like, what? Like, that's crazy. Start my own podcast. Like I'm a stay at home mom. I know nothing about any of this, but it's kind of like she planted the seed and I just kind of let it work in me and thought about it. And as I listened to other motherhood podcasts, I just noticed that a lot of them were really long conversations that were great. And they had some gyms within that conversation, but they, the gyms were kind of hidden. And I wanted like, like, I'm a busy mom, like, give me the takeaways, like pull out the gyms for me, you know, and I couldn't find anything like that. And so I decided to start my show based on what I wanted. And it really utilized my, uh, you know, my experience with condensing a big idea down into these actionable points that I had taught my students. So it, it all came together to make three and 30. And I'm just so grateful that April believed in me and suggested that I do that. And I've thought about that even within the lens of your show with the five people, like I'm so grateful that I had a mentor who believed in me that sort of put that spark in me that I could do it. And she's definitely one of the influential people that's directed my journey. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I've learned so much. And you guys check out her podcast. It's amazing. Three and 30. And the episode that we referred a lot to is episode 139, three steps to finding a happy balance with social media. Thanks again, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me on.